Hey, welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and uh, it's it's Toe Down, part three. And back again, Sean Glynis is here. How's it going? Thanks for having me. You, you, sound, you sound pumped, man. I, I, I don't usually expect this level of excitement from you. <laughs> well, the thing is that I, uh, I played some pickup basketball today. It was a lovely day. Uh, and when you're 36, it really takes it out of you. I can imagine. Yeah, but it's hard on the knees. I will say, uh, or sorry, not pick up, but 21. Um, and I won both games. So, I mean, you know, oh, not really right, a big deal, right. but, uh, oh, are we recording? <clears throat> sorry. I thought this was like the pre-record thing. <laughs> do you, do you go, do you take your shirt off to like, to, you know, show off like your, your 36 year old bod and just let these guys know, like yeah. you're still in shape as a, as a mid thirties man? Uh, not yet, but no. I don't, I don't really want to shame them yet. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I understand. Um, speaking of, uh, body positivity, Adam Myros is here. You know, Sean does have like that whole, like he could, he could have like a real white man can't jump scenario in his life. He's got some serious basketball court action going on right next to his house there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Directly across the street. It's just a matter of time before he uses his immense height to, to start hustling. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that makes sense. I mean, he's definitely six feet tall, so uh, sky's the limit. At least, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, Jake Trapeel is here. Hey, hey, how's you doing? Oh, I'm uh, I'm trying to survive, man. Let me tell you something. Uh, I was telling you guys this off air, but uh, had an incredible experience where I got to watch Commando in a movie theater, a uh, privately rented movie theater uh, room, I guess. And with with like a dozen people who had never seen Commando before. So that alone is magical. And Commando is one of my absolute favorite movies. And I've seen it a hundred times. And today I saw something, I recognized, I realized something that I had never previously thought of. And this is the beauty of cinema, you know, in great films, you you always find something new that you can kind of latch onto. And what I found out today was there's this scene where Arnold and, and Ray Dong Chong are are uh, driving around, uh, I think it was after the, the mall shootout and Arnold starts talking about his daughter and how he got out of the special forces because he was like, Oh, you know, when she was born, I was in Lebanon. And then he said, and when, then she got measles and I was in Angola. And then I started to think, I'm like, your daughter got fucking measles. <laughs> what, what year is this? So it's like, okay, commando takes place in, I mean, 1985 is when it was made. And we assume that it's a, a film that, it, it takes place in contemporary time. There's, it's not like this is the, you know, sixties or something. And the measles vaccine was developed in 1963. And then the MMR vaccine was widely available by like 1970. So what I learned today was Colonel John matrix. This is Canon is anti-vax. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the LeBron James of his time. Truly, truly. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be talking about Commando today. Uh, that's We actually have a Commando episode, but I think it's Patreon exclusive. So, uh, yeah, give us money. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking more Toe. And I think we're going we're gonna to start with the, the kind of weird outlier movie, just because we decided to go chronologically. Uh, so we're talking PTU, uh, which is... Good idea. I, I, I would... <laughs> this, I, I think this is like one of... It's probably one of his... his more seen movies a lot of these movies that we've been covering yeah. like even if they're they were huge hits in hong kong ptu is one of the ones where you can get this on dvd this i think uh eureka just announced mm -hmm. a masters of cinema release of this so this is one that's that's pretty widely available and again it's kind of funny to me because you you watch this and you think about like the sort of action films that toe is really known for and ptu is kind of an oddball even though it is still in that crime drama thriller uh wheelhouse you know what i mean yeah it's um <clears throat> it's really interesting the lineup that we have today because first of all we have like three of his most seen movies especially two others that we're going to talk about which I, I think will be just like interesting ongoing conversation this episode to think about what translated or why it was exported yada yada uh but uh ptu is while the name which is like police tactical unit or something yeah police tactical unit mm -hmm. um it 
you know, just has as uh, bland of a name as, you know, drug war, um, like genre It's basically movie. SWAT, right? This is, yeah, this yeah. is Hong Kong. It's, it's, it's a SWAT. Right. <laughs> um, so really uh, just kind of, you know, I, I think of like repo man chips and soda uh, type of branding here for the movie. But um, it is really weird, um, which I was very pleased to, to see because I watched this last of this batch. And um, this is kind of like the zone that I, I really want uh, Toe to be in when I watch his genre movies. Something that's not, you know, Don't Go Breaking My Heart or Romancing in Thin Air. Um, where he's just like lingering on really odd things or just like, like this, uh, this revolves around a, a detective who loses his gun, which I don't know, I'm guessing is, is like an homage to the Kurosawa movie, Stray Dog, um, which I've never seen, but, um, there's like the, this detective whose like car gets like yellow paint dumped on it pretty early. Uh, just like one of these little weird things that just ex like, make this movie like color this movie to be like a very odd thing very odd artifact that mixed with just like the the various strands that he takes it um like one of the main um uh cops the uh the simon yam character just like slapping some uh kid for like i don't know three minutes or something um on screen and asking him to rub off his tattoo um there's just like just strange interesting things that um is not the tautness of the other three that we're going to talk about like this is really kind of um allows him to wave his freak flag you know <laughs> yeah it it is kind of an odd movie too because i mean toast kind of known for his amazing action set pieces and things of that nature but this is more like it's an up all night movie it, it is an up all night movie and the things that he he lingers on are always bizarre but they but they're they're used to i guess kind of establish these really interesting like professional and social hierarchies that exist because that's that's mm -hmm. what this movie is really about it's not about you know criminals and cops just battling it out over yeah. who the fuck knows what uh so i mean there's a great scene early on where they're they're inside of this all night diner and there's a gang and they they move some guy out of the way uh, they just kind of like bully him away and he gets moved around. Eventually he's like moved next to like in a corner next to like a mop bucket or something. And then the cop comes in and then he moves the gang to another table. <laughs> but then ultimately the kid that they've been bullying away from different tables the entire time, he he ends up stabbing the, the lead. Yeah, just some guy that's on the fringe of the frame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then he just isn't in the rest of the movie. Yeah, he, he just exits the movie immediately. Yeah, well. immediately, immediately. Yeah, yeah. We should also mention that, um, so the main cop who loses his gun, he's played by Sam Luet. Uh, he's a, uh, or Lam Suet, excuse me. I spoonerized him. He's a, uh, something of a Johnny Toe regular. He's appeared in most of the films that we've seen. He's also just worked with Toe extensively through his, uh, his career. And, um, he's usually identified by, uh, just being called some kind of variation of fat or fatty in each of the movies. Cause he's, I guess his poorly weight lends some comic relief to these films, but uh, I would say that maybe this is his finest hour uh, mm -hmm. that I've seen in any Johnny Toe film. He's usually kind of a supporting guy, but like putting him front and center, this is just this movie is just like Lamb Suet's night in hell where everything just gets progressively worse for him. But he's he's just so great in this movie. I think it's a it's a wonderful performance. Yeah, it's nice to see him centered instead of just like a supporting character on the side. Um and it just, the movie just kind of like the heartbeat of the movie is like his inability to do anything right. Yeah. What is yeah, what is exactly. going on over in, in China there? Or uh, I don't know. Is this mainland? This is probably still Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Yeah. But what wh why is this guy? He's he's a little portly. Do we have to call him like <laughs> Uncle Fat Fat McFathead every movie? It's like what? No, Mister Body P Positivity up on his. Uh, yeah. I, I believe in election he he is called. Uh, his name's just Fathead in election, right? <laughs> it's always something of this nature. I I don't know. He, he doesn't strike me as especially <laughs> defined by his weight. I don't know. Poor Lamb Suet. Yeah, he's he's just he's slightly fatter than everyone else in the movie, <laughs> but he's not like a fat guy. 
And why don't they, and again, going back to election, which we'll talk about later, there's like an actual, like really fat guy that's shaped <laughs> like Danny DeVito in the penguin suit from Batman Returns. Yeah, who I believe is also in the the mission, the, the, the older gangster in the minivan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And his name is never Fatty McFatterson. Uh, I believe in the mission, his name is, is something of that, because uh, <laughs> Lamb Suet was, was a young fellow eating peanuts and less uh, hefty. So they called the, that gentleman like Uncle Fat Fat in that movie. <laughs> so I, I do like it, though, because I feel like Johnny Toe, because he does this in PTU, too. He names his characters the way that I describe them on podcasts when I'm like recounting things. So it's just like, yeah, so then the guy in the diner stabs a uh, ponytail. It's like, no, the character's <laughs> name is actually Ponytail. It's not me just calling him that <laughs> and using a, a basic descriptor. That's just the guy's name. That's fine. Ponytail, and Ponytail's father is this notorious gangster who goes by the name Baldhead. Uh -huh. he's, he's also not that bald. <laughs> yeah, he's got a, it's just receding mostly. Yeah. Well, receding hairline doesn't sound as, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well, I don't think. The, the thing I don't get, though, is there, there's another guy in PTU, and his name is Eyeball. So I was expecting him to have, like, a fucked-up eye or something. And he just looks like a normal guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his eyes maybe go a little spastic in the end, but, yeah, he's yeah, a little bit. relatively normal. He should be should have been called Whitehead. Whitehead, there you go. <laughs> uh, we should say um, that uh, this movie uh, opens with, like, some sort of, like, this discussion among the unit um talking about like a dead uh cop from the unit or something and um like basically Simon Yam like shutting up everyone and saying like hey you know like like bite your tongue like you know like uh think of him fondly whatever uh we're all like like we need to treat one just as we would each other um this sort of like setting you up for um this like tight like uh crew that like just does everything by the line and um it's really funny well, yeah. to think about and as the movie goes along because like you just see the the thread just like fraying immediately and just like more and more and one of the things that that i really like about um johnny toe movies that we've watched that deal with genre or um, or like good and bad is how much it just like immediately goes into the in-between zone. I can't remember if we talked about this on the last episode, but uh, we will definitely talk about it going uh, into the next uh, few movies. But um, like this is about like a unit who is helping this horrible, like this uh, bad cop. I mean, not, not bad as in morals, but um, just like this inefficient cop who lost his gun and basically he's like wanting to get this retirement next month and so uh in order to do so he can't like screw up or not retirement but um promotion promotion yeah. and so they kind of band together to help him in doing so they are not like honoring the code of the unit whatever i mean in terms of like the law um so it immediately becomes amb ambiguous uh, between like them against their own cops that are like over them, you know, the bosses and the people that are keeping people in line. Um, so it's less of like good guys against bad guys. Sure. I, I think that especially this like kind of reveals a lot of Toe's fascinations uh, with fraternity more or less and, and the rules yeah. that govern that. and uh, Which is another Western staple. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it, it's it's an interesting look at the conflicts between kind of stated rules and these unspoken fraternal rules and, and how those come into conflict and how they're prioritized and ultimately how they're used to kind of subjugate society and, and gain power. Uh, but yeah, this this is more fun than, than some of those other ones will say I, I this is indeed kind of a, a one crazy night or an up all night if you will which i'm always down for one of my favorite sort of framing devices for a film and isn't your favorite movie run all night yeah that's that's the one for me <laughs> a number one yeah um but yeah this it's just interesting the way this juxtaposes like simon yam's absolute menace in this uh it's ratcheting tension uh, and it's all in service of this 
Lam Suet character who who literally slips on a fucking banana peel and loses his yeah, god. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> and you you feel like this is it's all building. This is quite a tense movie. Mm-hmm. It's all building towards this ultimate conflict and something tragic is bound to transpire. And I guess it isn't. You know, the, the climax of this movie once again, much like the the character who kind of just out of frame kills. Uh, ponytail if you will but the climax is centered around a bunch of characters who aren't in the film at all they just kind of show up <laughs> at a payphone and uh and in are murdered in this shootout that really kind of happens <laughs> for no fucking reason and it's it's great yeah real western showdown like a duel yeah. really on all yeah. points converge yeah on canton it, street yeah, it's all points converge, but none of the points are really end up being in conflict. This is two old men who are angry with each other, and then uh, mm-hmm. the cops are—they're firing at people who are not connected to the plot of the film at fucking all. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, honestly, and when we're talking about the police here too, there's—I mean, there's the aforementioned fat guy who slips on a banana peel and loses his gun, and he's like the. The, the beat cop, the on the street, like slovenly vice cop type of person shakes down drug dealers for a living. And then there's the uh, the titular PTU, which is kind of like a SWAT team, more or less. And then there's uh, the other police officers. And it's just this other unit. I forget. I forget what they call them, but they're essentially like, you know, like your your law and order SVU style, like pantsuit detectives. They're the they're CID. They're like the superiors of all the of the PTU, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, this movie, in a weird way, it sort of reminded me of Don't Go Breaking My Heart because when we talked about that, we 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 talked about how there's not when when the woman is choosing between the two guys in her life that she's in love with. There's not like the clear choice, like this is the good guy and this is this is the bad guy and she's got to pick the right one. And here, every time that we're introduced to a new facet of of the Hong Kong police, it's like, okay, so these PTU guys, they're going to be the voice of reason here. They're going to be the, you know, heavy finger quotes, good cops. It's like, no, they're they're pieces of shit for a totally different reason. And then finally you get to the 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 higher up level of cops, these pantsuit cops. You're like, okay, these are going to be the ones who like root out the fact that these guys are fucking around and not doing what they're supposed to. And then the immediately, as soon as they're on the case, they're trying to, you know, uh, bust uh, old fatty McFadderson. And they do that by like going into a bar, dragging a guy out and literally waterboarding him in an alley. Yeah. So <laughs> a guy who's like, an no, informer for them already. Suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, everyone is, is a piece of shit. That's kind of, in it for more personal loyalty than than any sort of like professional uh, code of conduct. You know, that's 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 what this movie really explores. And and just like the Hong Kong police, just like eating itself alive. Like, yep. yeah, yeah, and exactly. it's it's a similar thing you'll see played out in all of these sort of crime focused toe films. It doesn't matter if we're focusing on the quote-unquote good guys or the bad guys, whether it's the police force or the criminal organizations, it, it just seems to be about how these systems subjugate the people involved in them and, and subsume them ultimately. Yeah, exactly. Um, and maybe we can use this as like a segue if you guys want, but um, one of the things that I found watching these tow movies besides like don't go breaking my heart and romancing in thin air maybe which like just very clearly like have like a brightness to them um like i mean visual brightness like not shot in like alleys and stuff um Mm -hmm. uh that it's really hard for me to figure out just by watching what year and what the chronology like the chronology is of of all these because like we were we were saying off air like PTU seems to me like it should be from like 2010 I don't know mm-hmm. and after uh, some of the ones that uh, we're going to talk about that literally came after it um, I don't know there, I don't know if if that has to do with the 
uh, quality of the copy we're watching, but like the next movie that we talk about, like seems like it came, like it was like six to eight years before PTU. I'm not really sure why, but yeah, I can't figure it out either. So yeah, we're we're gonna talk about breaking news, which came out in 2004, and and PTU was 2003, and something about breaking news just looks very <laughs> like so 1997 to me in a great way. But yeah, yeah, it's just got that like like the very tail end of there being money for like dtv action that it would just like you just catch it on hbo at like two in the morning like that type of stuff like your brian bosworth has like neon lights and stuff like the Mm -hmm. lighting is impeccable yeah and and breaking news i don't know if it's 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 got like a grainy or kind of gritty quality to it but something about it's just like yeah it looks a little chintzy and not in a bad way though it just feels like very um, of its era. And a uh, funny thing about breaking news is until I realized that it was from 2004, I was like, damn, they're like really ahead of this whole mm-hmm. like technology curve. Uh, and, and they still are to a degree. And we'll we'll kind of jump into that. But that that was the thing that really shocked me. It's like, damn, it's 1997. They're doing video conferencing call. I didn't know that that existed. <laughs> Because like, it didn't, motherfucker. It's 2004. Uh, but yeah, breaking news is uh, it's about, you know what? Police work isn't about police work. It's about putting on a show and uh, winning over public opinion. And uh, if you are a, uh, say, a criminal who was involved in a shootout where you killed a bunch of people, uh, you know, you got you to gotta rehab your image by uploading videos to the Internet. And uh, yeah, breaking news out of all the ones that we watched. This one, it feels like its thesis is probably the simplest and and yeah. most straightforward of any of the films. But also, it feels like it's it still rings louder and truer than any of the other films in terms of the themes that they're exploring. Like this one feels like you could you could remake this today and very little would change, other than the fact that they wouldn't be video conferencing from a uh, you know like a a, a gateway computer right. with the little stick mic <laughs> that, that was something i forgot to mention on last uh week's episode talking about don't go break my heart is how much i like uh i think with american cinema um or at least western cinema uh over the past i don't know decade or so um there's been just a lot of like not so much now i guess but um a lot of talk about how uh technology as it becomes advanced into our everyday life um how it's portrayed on screen like just the use of it like enmeshing it in our lives and you know um whether you do that with like these on-screen like texts or you're showing the actual phone and yada 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 Mm -hmm. um and toe seemed to have just like had it right from the beginning um but i was thinking about it would doka break my heart because there's so much like texting back and forth. They're showing pictures and videos and stuff. Um, and so I just want to talk about that. Obviously it's, it's used well in breaking news, but I just really like how, um, how he was able to, to enmesh, uh, techno like technology as just a, a daily function of society, like without just like, um, trying to find ways around it, just really using it to his advantage. See, this mm-hmm. is an interesting one. To me, it feels the least uh, a piece with the with the rest of the films of his I've seen, and that includes you know more than just because this it's piece. so like concept driven. Yeah. Also, some of the filmmaking, while impressive, just it feels different from what he's done before. Uh, like there's the, the whole open is this uh, really showy tracking shot, which is not something you see him employ that often. Yeah, and also. One of the things I've come to associate with with Toe is kind of use of the city. You know, it's it's always very much Hong Kong is a character in, in these films, and in this, it is geographically limited in in a certain way. So it's not a critique; it's just to say that it has a very different feel. Like I wouldn't immediately. Uh, pick this out as like a Johnny Toe film, were it not for some, uh, you know, telltale casting. But <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Eddie McDad. Just <laughs> I think this might be the only one where Lamb Seward is not insulted. <laughs> yeah, what's this character's name in Breaking News? It's like God oh, Donut Inhaler. That's <laughs> it's a yip. It's just yip. Yeah, just just yip. Uh, which is Cantonese for fatso. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. <laughs> No, just to speak to the aesthetics of this for a second, um, and 
going back to PTU for a brief moment, because that film is just like bathed in absolute darkness and it's very still uh, kind of like Exiled was. Uh, and mm-hmm. so you kind you kind of need like just or it's, throw down. It's yeah, it's just very lush and rich, even if most scenes are just lit by like a single street lamp or um or like in one instance with uh, Simon Yam is going through a dark corridor with like just like a pen light or something. Um, this seems to like I don't know. I think I think the uh, the breaking news look like goes really well with just the like the immediacy of like being on on the on site of this action mm-hmm. as it's taken down because it's it's mostly just shot it's kind of like the raid it's just mostly all shot in these cramped hallways in apartments of this single building and i i would presume that just how it looks is also just how it was necessi- necessitated by uh some of the shots that he pulls off like the the tracking shot there's you know it's it's hard to do that with a lot of heavy equipment but i i think this feels more there's like a real energy to it um and i think it's uh i think it's just quite simply fantastic how uh toe pulled it off but yeah even if it is not necessarily evident that it is one of his films but i think that also just goes back to how he's a guy who can really do anything that he sets his mind to he's that's why yeah. he's one of the best filmmakers for this. Yeah I, yeah, I think textually it reads very much like like his sort of work. Uh, it, it introduces mm-hmm. a, a sort of third system, if you will. We're not we're not just dealing yeah. with the organizations of, of crime and those designed to combat that crime. We're also dealing with media here and it, its impact on all of that. And it really does take it in a different direction from from some of the other work, which is. Pretty refreshing when you're watching several in a row, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, going back to his use of technology, though, like I, I, I love how it's, it's integrated in this film because kind of like you, Sean, like it, it, it seems like a lot of filmmakers try to avoid it. Like it, it just seems like a real pain point. Um, and, and the result is either they, they swerve around it and that makes it all the more obvious or they turn it into something very showy and here, I mean, really, the the whole film it's it hinges almost entirely after the opening shootout on technology. It's it's these cell phone conversations, it's these video conference calls, it's you know how are we sending uh, video clips that we take to uh, the media and, and and things like that. And the thing that really sells it for me is uh, this is another tendency you definitely you definitely see it in Western films, and I think you see it in international films now where it's essentially product placement. So, you know, every, everyone in Mission Impossible 4 has a Galaxy S11 phone or so, something like that. And here... Spider-Man uh, bings. <laughs> yeah, Spider, Spider-Man uses bing. Uh, here, everybody has these, these like shitty, like early 2000s flip phones. But not only that, they're all different. Like they're totally mismatched. And they, they look like a shitty 2000s flip phone because I mean, the things were like little bricks and you would drop them and they would get dinged and they would get scuffed, you know? And and that's what these look like. They look like shitty burner phones that guys who, you know, uh, rob banks and and kill people for a living would carry around. And there's, there's just a real like kind of griminess and and texture to all of these, all all this technology they have. And and again, with the, uh, with the video conferencing, because they, They'll they'll Skype call in or whatever the fuck you what what did what did you use for video conferencing in two thousand four I have no idea AOL no. instant messenger video chat <laughs> uh, but they they would use whatever the Skype Zoom equivalent and it was it was a, this like kind of like shitty computer and it was uh, Johnny Toe when he shoots this stuff he's not like showing us a screen and then you know that screen that computer screen or that phone screen becomes our screen no he's basically pointing the camera at it. So it has this kind of uh, low res look to it and and you get it, it just feels very authentic, I guess, uh, which is nice because when you have a film that hinges entirely on these cell phone conversations and how these guys are using technology to manipulate the media and, and give themselves a, a better chance at either getting away in the case of the criminals or uh, catching the criminals in a way that makes the media happy in the case of the cops, it's it's important to get that right. And absolutely nails it I, I can't think of a better example of of showing technology in a film like this well i think it, it's interesting how he uses place in marriage with, with that theming as well because it, it feels like this technology's impact is is to make 
these characters feel more isolated and this film certainly squeezes everyone into tight spaces while while it's exploring that sort of facet and it's uh, it's very smartly made i'll say that yeah uh also toe sense of humor like he he can't he can't help himself all right he's got to have at least like one extremely juvenile thing in each of his movies and uh, this time around, it's it's a guy with a sensitive stomach who, like, rips giant oh, farts yeah. on, like, three different occasions. <laughs> a lot of farts in this movie. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention before we move on a, a, a moment that we should talk about, which is the, like, food preparation yes. moment. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, where the whole movie is just them going back and forth with the, the media, each side and, and the media, like mediating this thing and and playing tricks with uh, with each other and uh yada 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 and then there's just like this break in the action where uh i believe it's the criminals start making food and then the media like responds and passes out food is that what happens yeah so it's Mm -hmm. like it's really complex how these characters all come together because there's initially there's four uh criminals uh, and there, two of them get separated from the other two. And meanwhile, as the police raid this building, there's these two other completely separate criminals <laughs> who think that the police are after them. They yeah. eventually group up and they hold uh, uh, Lam Suet's children and him hostage in his own apartment where they've barricaded the doors. And yeah, they just put their guns down and put on some aprons and just start cooking in the kitchen together. It's just such a lovely moment and yeah they broadcast the them having meal together and uh the police and the media they reciprocate by everybody just gets like these takeout lunches and everybody just stops doing what they're doing just to enjoy some food it's it's the the most i would say toe-esque sequence uh, in this film but uh, yeah it's very wonderful stuff well that that's the most toe thing ever to introduce simon yam's character for like no fucking reason (laughs) it's always got to keep things a little off kilter where it's just like this setup of these four criminals in this apartment complex and they're being stormed in this great publicity stunt by you know like fucking a thousand SWAT team members and uh why is (laughs) yeah all of a sudden they split the group of four into two groups of two and introduce a new group of two to make it back into a group of four it's just like ah it's so goofy but uh great yeah that really is. Just, just gonna say, and then yeah, at the end, not to give too much away, but uh, there's like this explosion in an elevator shaft, and one of the criminals, we don't see what happens. And then after everything ends, there's like just this kind of final news report of saying, "Oh, this one guy who you thought escaped or died, he, he was he was killed in a different robbery elsewhere." <laughs> and then it ends. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. I love to the uh, like the final sequence of this. So uh, you know, once one of the criminals gets away and. And he's escaping and, and he's he ends up with like the guy that had been communicating primarily from the group of criminals with the police. He ends up with the uh, the the woman who's in charge of, of this whole like SWAT operation. And uh, this might be my favorite outside of the cooking scene. Probably my favorite scene is when they're on this bus and they're being chased by this SWAT team guy who the entire movie is essentially like an action hero stereotype. He's the, he's the Arnold Schwarzenegger stand in here, but he's just constantly like full speed ahead, you know, shooting at people, no fear of anything. Got to get the perp no matter what. And he's, he's just chasing after them on a motorcycle. And he's, he, he gets, I think on three separate occasions, he's being shot at and he just eats shit, crashes the motorcycle, gets back on it and keeps coming. And, and they're talking about like, it's like, God, this guy doesn't slow down. And then the woman who's in charge of the police operation, uh, she's like, yeah, you know, he's, he's a little uh, rash, but I, I like that he's, uh, he's, you know, diligent in what he's doing. And they, they just had that little break there. And then afterwards, she's like, yeah, we're going to we're going to set him up as the hero, even though the entire time, I don't know if what he's doing can be described as heroic or if he's just fucking stupid. But again, it goes back to this idea of. Every little thing in breaking news, every little moment, every character, all everything they're doing, it comes back to how are we going to spin this and how are we going to portray this in the media? And I love that this fucking moron on a motorcycle who crashes multiple times is presented as a hero. Yeah, I, I just think that the lamb suet stuff, which does encompass that cooking scene, 
really illustrates what makes Toe Films so special uh, is because this movie is, yeah, it's a proto The Raid. It's, it's a giant siege and these criminals just duck into this family's apartment and you're, you know, if you're watching this sort of movie or really any action movie, you're programmed to know what's coming here. This is going to be some nasty hostage situation. There's just going to be a bunch of bad guys doing bad things to this family while the cops are storming through. And that's just not what Toe is interested in here. It's just, they form almost this little familial unit uh, in this moment. You know, they just hole up and they're dicking with the police and it's very playful and it's just, it's a decision you almost never see in, in films. Also, mm-hmm. um, like uh, Lambswitz just being very cooperative. He doesn't want to get him and his family killed, but like his children are constantly calling him out for helping criminals and <laughs> like they have they're bolder than he is. He's he's just like and then at one point he even just tries to bail on them entirely by jumping out the window. But that uh, that doesn't quite work. So, but yeah, the kids are great in this, too. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, why don't we move to. um. A- Maybe outside of PTU, this this one is is possibly uh, Johnny Toe's most well-known film. I don't know if that's fair to say or not, uh, which is hilarious to me because it, it's also I wouldn't call it difficult to follow. Uh, but you want to talk about a movie with like 9000 characters, uh, Election from 2005, which I love because it, it reminded me a lot of uh, the Battles Without Honor and Humanity series. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those. Uh, Kinji Fukasaku, I think, is is the director, but... Need to see those. Yeah, fantastic movies, but you basically need a flowchart to keep track of, like, alliances and characters and familial relationships. Yep. And uh, Election is 100% in that same mold because, uh, you know, as the name suggests, the title suggests, basically the, uh, the triads have to hold elections to see who their chairperson is going to be. Much more organized than the American mob, it seems. And uh, there's this like a little power struggle over who's going to get to to lead and, and be the chairperson. But again, in classic Johnny Toe fashion, it, it isn't just the American version of this, which would be like, OK, here's here's one side of the faction. Here's the other side. And then we're just going to butt heads and there's just going to be fighting. No, no, no. It's it's far more complex than that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. All, it also doesn't help again with the uncle. The, the triad seems to call everyone uncle. Uh, yeah, I guess it's like capo or something. So all this, it's just like uncle, 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 and uncle are are going to town. It's like oh, okay, okay. I feel like this this pops up too. It this in breaking news, it's the same thing because they they tell the kids to call them like uncle, you know. So I think I think if you're in Hong Kong, anyone who is just older than you is uncle. Is that maybe? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in drug war at the end, not to jump ahead, but one one guy tells it points it puts like a little kid at a window during a shootout and says, follow those uncles as, as the police run, run by <laughs> any old man is an uncle. I like yeah, it. some geezer, I guess. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is uh, uh, I, this was a film, I think, at the time it was like championed by Tarantino is one of the best films of the year. So that also garnered it a lot of recognition. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really convoluted. There's so there's two there's two candidates basically. One of them is played by Simon Yam, another toe regular who's always great. He's the more level headed of the two, and he's gonna like ex- plan to expand the triad um, collection that they have through basically uh, I guess just his own meaningful purpose. But the other one is this guy known as Big D, who's basically uh, a loose cannon with a hair trigger. And he when he doesn't get what he wants, he just starts torturing and killing people left and right. And it goes into all out war. And yeah, there's uh, part of the conflict is the the hunt for the baton, which will give the chairman the power. And uh, there's scenes because like you said, there's a flow chart needed to follow some of the action because there's scenes where guys are beating on each other and then they'll get a phone call mid scene and then say, oh, I have to help you now. And then they switch allegiances. To, to to move on uh it's crazy but it's great it, it is it is fantastic i know it's like it almost sounds like it's a criticism that it's a little bit convoluted but honestly i mean this is a fantastic movie um i i love that scene too that you brought up where i mean literally a guy is bashing another guy uh, uh oh yeah it's, lamb suet 
Lamb Suet, yeah. Whose name is Big Head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's like, he's like in a marsh and his pants are falling off. Yeah, and he's just getting the shit beat out of him with like a giant log. And then they get this phone call. And that scene sort of encapsulates one of the big themes of election, which is just this idea that all these power structures that exist with the triads and all these traditions that they have, ultimately, it's it's just a, like a front and a, and a framework to channel all of this violence, you know? And, mm-hmm. and as soon as you tear any of that apart or as soon as these guys stop believing that these power structures are legitimate, they just fucking fly off the handles. Uh, and it, it's so funny because there's all these rules about what you can and cannot do to your brother. And there's entire scenes where they're reciting these things like, oh, if you steal from another brother, then you should get hit by five lightning bolts. And all of these rules uh, uh, that boil down to like fraternity above above everything else. And yet, at, you know, at one point, a guy gets his fucking brains bashed in by a giant rock because uh, he may or may not pose a legitimate threat to power. So uh, it's super, super interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I love the rock bashing in too, uh, not only because it, a good old brain bashing with a rock is fucking brutal, but nothing but respect for any action uh, or film with like just shitloads of violence that doesn't use any guns. There's like no, there, I don't think there's a single gun in this movie, is there? Yeah, there are. Um, or no, I don't think there are actually. A lot of machetes. <laughs> yeah, there's one great like bladed fight scene in a in an alley, which is fantastic. I love that crazy guy Jet, who's introduced by smashing a spoon and eating it off the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great, but yeah, the the rock bashing is also good because the the character that's doing it has just been like very calm and collected and intelligent through the whole film, and it's interesting to see him just resort to something so primitive to to get what he needs done. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it really yeah. is sort of the thesis of the film. And, and the conclusion is, is incredibly powerful in this, I would say. Um, all the way through from the, there's this point where, where peace is kind of reached and the two rivals, Big D and Locke, are just kind of standing on a roof going, we're going to make all this money and they're whistling this jaunty tune. And then it's almost like smash cut to them at this fishing trip and Big D's like, hey, why don't you make me your your partner or something? And instead, Simon Yeb just fucking takes out a rock and smashes his skull in with uh, his son watching. And great. yeah, then chases down his wife and strangles her to death uh, with his son watching. So good yeah. times. Yeah, no, it is, a, it is a powerful conclusion to this because, uh, again, it, it does encompass Toe's ability and an interest in, in always keeping you off balance and and never telegraphing what he has to say with the film uh because you're the whole time it feels like you're set up to be on Locke's side simon yam's character like he is the traditionalist he is the one who's gonna have the the family's best interests at heart he you know he this big d he's a maniac you you, you want him to get his in the end but that uh, it's it's never really the case, you know. What what is made clear toward the end of the film is that it doesn't fucking matter. They're, they're all just rabid dogs, you know. <laughs> they could have mm-hmm. this yeah. uh, pretense, but they, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's just yeah. He, the, the difference is is like Big D's the more the more honest character because he's like you said a barbaric lunatic. Um, whereas uh, what what is the other guy's name? Um, Locke. 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 Yeah. Locke, it's it's just window dressing for his lunacy. Like he's just, if not more so, completely psychotic. He just knows how to keep a lid on it. That's that's the only difference. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it's really really fantastic. And this is another one too, where this it's actually streaming on on Tubi right now, which is 100 percent free. So you know you you don't have to go too far to find this and watch it. Also, hot tip. There's all kinds of like Google Chrome plugins that can speed up or slow down any video that you're streaming. And Tubi, it, it, you know, it runs these ads. If you want to get around the ads, though, you didn't hear this from me. A simple way to do it, turn the speed up just a tiny bit. OK, so most of these you can you can adjust. Uh, I use one called speed up, but you can set it. So, you know, one point one is the default. So if you set it to like one point zero one, which is not a market increase of anything like you don't, you're not going to notice it what it'll do is it, it makes the ads like freak out so as soon as an ad will start to load 
it'll just automatically <laughs> default and kick you back to the movie. Um, so that's called uh, Steve Breaks the Ad Algorithm. You're welcome. And if you're a representative from Tubi, uh, so, yeah, don't try this at home. Uh, and I certainly didn't do it. It's better than my usual methodology of just leaving ad block on and staring at a black screen rather than watching ads. I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather just sit at 30 seconds of blank nothing. <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, that's preferable because especially because of the different algorithm things, they, they end up showing you the same ad over and over again. So I remember on Hulu for a long time, there was this ad where it was this piano music, this upbeat piano music, like, doom, 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 doom. And it was like, it, it, some ad for like a bank or some shit. And it would show this little kid riding a bike while this piano music played. And it was 10 times louder than whatever you were just fucking watching. <laughs> and I absolutely wanted to drown that child in a fucking shallow pool. I could not stand the goddamn ad. So I'm with you. I'd rather stare at a blank screen. We also had that caustic content experience where for some reason Tubi was really in league with uh, Greg Gutfeld. <laughs> oh, yeah. We we're just getting the Gutfeld ads. Like 10 Gutfeld ads in a given movie. It was like, yeah. This God. ain't your regular right wing talk show. It's Gutfeld. Things are getting edgy. Yeah. So I'll <laughs> say about election, maybe it was just a little bit of fatigue, but I watched this directly after the film we're going to cover next, Drug War. And. The two of them are really exactly what I expected and wanted when we started this mm -hmm. project. They, they're very much what I had in my mind as a Johnny Toe film. And yet, after having seen a lot of films I've grown very fond of, I had trouble engaging with, with the both of them to an extent. I, I This one... I think the conclusion is, is just so effective that it really brought me back yeah. in, but... For a long time during it, I was just kind of, yeah, I don't know. I was just like, all right, enough with this uncle this and that. Let's, I wish he was doing something a little more interesting. Yeah, I feel the same exact way about uh, both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, and the, the last film that we watched is uh, Drug War from 2012. Which is, it, it's just crazy that it's from 2012. Because yeah, this is another one where it's just like, what fucking year is this? I don't understand. Yeah, is he using some like... Old camera, <laughs> like, like I don't understand. Uh, like it came out like months after the two that I said were like clearly newer um, of the of all of the ones that we've watched, um, and yet I was watching it and being I, I was like, oh yeah, I could like I had this thought with some of the other ones like election and and maybe the mission I can't remember, but um, uh, I was like. Uh, thinking about The Departed, which is obviously a remake of Infernal Affairs, but um, but thinking about how outside of just that one source for The Departed of like, it's like, oh, I bet Scorsese was watching a lot of Hong Kong action uh, or crime cinema and was probably pulling a lot from Johnny Toe as well, um, not knowing that Drug War came out six years after uh the departed uh, <laughs> it's just so so weird to me i don't know it, it it makes me think differently about johnny toe as a director uh at least right now with like 13 of his films watched um that like there isn't this interesting trajectory right like mm -hmm. between uh, of of subject matter and style like he just kind of like ebbs and flows it's it's really strange i think it's something you get into with a lot of the more prolific filmmakers you could say the same about like a Mike. like it, it there's not like boy he's growing every film he puts out or something this is like no he's putting shit out always putting shit out oh, and sometimes yeah. it is special and sometimes it is uh grist for the mill you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Mike is at like 109 films at this point, but I could I could name two of them released in the last six years. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, as I loved uh, I loved I saw Drug War when it was originally released and uh, revisiting it last night. I think um, even if it is uh, just very normal by toe standards, I still just think it's so masterfully done. Like if this film as it yeah, was, was, was in anyone else's filmography would probably be, be like their best movie, but mm -hmm. it's, everything is just like pitch perfectly calibrated. Um, it's just like this elaborate game of chess that uh, toe sets up between this cop and this drug maker. And um, yeah, it can conclude, it concludes with just one of the 
best action set pieces of his career. Yeah. I was just going to say briefly that it's it's smart. Uh, it it just like uh, I was saying at the beginning with PTU, like it just immediately engages with like ambiguity and uh, you know you're not supposed to think one way or the other about Simon Yam's character um, mm-hmm. or the drug trade or whatever. It just kind of exists in this uh, liminal space between um, like right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was gonna say well, like we. Had in the first episode kind of cited uh, man as an obvious touchstone for, for Johnny Toe stuff. And this, more than anything, like, Drug War is a fucking Michael Mann movie. <laughs> like, almost to, to a fault. Like, it is it is so similar to me. Like, and that is not an insult by any stretch. I, I mean, I think everyone involved in our podcast is a big fan of Michael Mann and his sort of obsessions with... Which which movies has he done? I yeah. <laughs> think the Keep and Ali Black Hat. Hmm. Oh, Jericho Miles is it that guy? Yeah, that guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the guy. So I don't know. This movie echoes Heat to me in a lot of ways, but it is very excellent. It's again, it's just at some point there's some fatigue with with the subject matter, I guess. Which ah, uh, that's probably our fault for stacking them this way. But I don't know. I I think Drug mm-hmm. War is excellent. Yeah, but it's also my least favorite of these films by quite a bit. It it only pales just because of what we're doing. Like just watched in a vacuum, it it's it's the best movie you of the year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, here it's you know he's done more. Like we we like the weird the weird toe we've all said, but yeah, when he goes weird and and bolder with his works, um, they tend to be more rewarding. Yeah, and and like you said, this is it's super conventional, uh, but. The little flourishes, the little Johnny Toe-isms are, are nice. Just the way he puts a twist on these characters. Because all these guys are just, I mean, he's basically working with stock archetypes here. There's nothing uh, outlandish. But I love, the, the the main character is, I mean, he, he runs a drug lab. He works in the drug trade. And his lab blows up and he ends up in the hospital. And the cops are like, you're going to, you're going to get the death penalty uh, because in Hong Kong, if you have a small amount of drugs, I guess they just kill you on the spot. And <laughs> anyways, yeah. so he's like, OK, well, I'll I'll work with you. I'll work with you. I'll work with you. And he decides to flip. And what we see at first is you it kind of sets up. So they build this relationship between the lead detective and this this criminal that's helping them to save his own ass. And because you know, Toe is so interested in these interpersonal relationships and, and, and family and fraternity. You start to forget that this guy's a total fucking worm. And then the moments where his back is up against the wall, every single time he reveals exactly who he is, you know, he never, he never grows. He's just this, this fucking worm the entire time to the point where you know, just to get away, just to avoid the police, he's willing to like break his own wrist, shoot his his employees, like fuck over his entire family, his entire family, just to get away and save his own ass and do what's best for him in any given situation. And you talk about powerful endings like Drug War. I'm with you guys. I mean, it's it's a fantastic film, but it was kind of ho hum. But the ending of this one, my god, yeah, yeah. it's pretty uh, fucking astounding. Incredible, incredible, and, and it it really just again. This is why Johnny Toe is a special filmmaker because this this last like two minutes, not even of this film, just elevates the previous ninety minutes. <laughs> it's yeah, that it good. It's so good, and without giving away too much. Yeah, basically, like this guy's just on his deathbed, essentially uh, about to be, you know, killed. And and then what he's spouting off is just incredible. The way he's constantly trying to manipulate and save his own ass. Really powerful stuff. So, uh, you know, if it sounds like we're being critical of drug war or election, these are still better than 99% of the shit that you will watch in your life. Okay, they're fucking great. But when you're a filmmaker like Johnny Toe, where everything you do is just profoundly interesting and incredible, uh, you know, when you do something more conventional, it's it's hard to get as excited. Yeah, for me, it's almost like we didn't say enough about some of these, and that and that's fine. We we don't have Jack with us to uh, to <laughs> discuss, uh, um, uh, have a monologue for twenty minutes about each film, but uh, 
that's that's quite all right uh i i feel like ptu it seemed like we might have been a little quick on it but i i just think it's astounding and that's kind of one of those things where i yeah drug wars like a solid eight out of ten i think it's excellent uh beautifully crafted it, it has a great deal to it but it's just you know it's it's standing in a among giants here you know these are all fantastic films and ah man i don't know i i don't want to be critical of drug war i think it's it's great but it's also (laughs) something you've seen before and ptu probably which is probably why it was it was like more exportable or like you know uh one of his most seen movies it's 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 uh it's not disorienting yeah, mm-hmm. I I suppose it's kind of in that like that man resurgence uh, era where people were ripping him off. I mean, nobody actually sees Michael Mann movies in theaters for some reason, but there were uh, there was that whole period in the in the aughts, late aughts, I would say, where you know Nolan was doing Michael Mann shit constantly and uh, yeah. Affleck and blah blah blah. There were there were several huge hits that were just like, okay, I'm ripping off Heat and. Uh, that's fine. I, I, I like the trend because then I get to watch movies like Heat, but uh, I guess that's probably why Drug War made it over because they're like, oh, this this is a trend right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it probably too, as far as his action-oriented films go, this is probably his most American-feeling movie that I've seen. Um, and, and again, yeah, it goes back to the clear like Michael Mann influence and, and things like that, but... Yeah, it makes sense that this is another one that's streaming on Tubi. So if you want to, you know, speed up the video slightly and skip ads, that's something you can do. Not that I would say you should do it, but it's something you can do. And maybe someone gave you hypothetical instructions on how to do that. I don't know. Who am I? Who am I to say anything? Truly. But yeah, I I think that pretty much wraps it up for this one. So I I guess I guess we'll do putovers here. So, uh, Jake, what are you putting over this week? Oh Jesus! Um, what am I putting over this week? Yeah, you uh, saw it coming, buddy. We- <laughs> that's true. That is true. Um, yeah, we just started this segment, so yeah, this I don't is a new one. Catches we- people. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm gonna put over a film called Drive. Uh, not the Ref and Gosling oh, film. Yes, Ryan Gosling. No, nope, no. Nope, <laughs> Albert uh, Brooks. No, no. So Anne, good. Yes. No, uh, no, Great sir. one. No, sir. <laughs> Although that is a good movie, I do recommend it. But uh, I'm putting over Drive from 1997. It's a film starring Mark DeCascos. As a guy with a super heart who is trying to find uh, the woman he loves in the United States and he teams up with this other guy and it's basically uh, just an, just it's just a bunch of great martial arts sequences. Uh, it's a forgotten gem of the 90s, but it's recently just received a Blu-ray release from MVD uh, Entertainment. So um, if you want to just watch something that totally kicks ass, uh, check out Drive from 1997. All right, Sean, what are you putting over this week? Well, the only thing I've watched uh, that isn't Toe in the last two weeks, besides the NBA playoffs, is um, a rewatch of Woody Allen's 2006 movie, Scoop. Uh, I'm sure all our listeners, as well as the rest of you here on the panel, are familiar with Scoop. (laughs) Well, we're all big woodheads, you know that. (laughs) <laughs> yes, uh, but um, it, uh, you know, it was, uh, it's not the best movie ever made, but it's it's one of those ones that, uh, it, it's one of his English movies from the aughts with Scarlett Johansson um, and has Hugh Jackman, but um, it uh, was like sinking into a warm bath. So check out Scoop, <laughs> <laughs> Myros. This is if you if this is your opportunity. Okay, there's an opening. Uh, if if you want to insult Sean for liking Match Point, this is it. Uh, well, Match Point's fucking terrible, but uh, that's that's all right. <laughs> sure sure all, have you seen Scoop, Myros? No, no, sir. So I, these I were like those were like his back to. I mean, it was kind of his uh, kind of the Melinda Melinda of his own period uh, there with some comedy drama um back and back and forth but uh give it a shot it's on ok.ru uh i will not do that you know uh but that's all right um <laughs> thank you for letting us know <laughs> what are you putting over my host <laughs> you know i i could i i would say i actually did kind of have reffin in mind when i was watching some of this toe stuff uh with his his pusher movies they actually kind of echoed a lot of stuff to me but i'm 
not going to put that over because really what you should be watching in your free time right now is is the fucking NBA playoffs. So that's that's what I'm putting over. Uh, yeah. Watch the NBA playoffs. It's it's the best thing you can watch in sports. It's a beautiful game. Watch it, enjoy it, and uh, yeah, fuck watching other things the next month or so. Just sit down and watch basketball in your free time. So, uh, quick question. Uh, one, who's your pick out of the East? Who's your pick out of the West? And uh, follow-up to that is, are the Bucks are they, are they finally going to win it this year? No, probably not. I'm going to have to go with the Nets. And I think, I, I don't know, today shook my confidence, but I would have said the Lakers for sure. But uh, I, I'm going to pick the Nets to win it all. I'll say that. All right. Good choice. Uh, well, I mean, not the best choice. I want the well, Bucs to win. Come I'm on. not this rooting is... for the Nets to win it all, rest assured. But I, I, I think, think I think the Bucs are in the perfect position because they don't have the weight of that of that one seed on their shoulders. Like they can just they can kind of fly under the radar here. You know, I I was watching their game yesterday, and what I what I noticed is they still can't fucking hit free throws at all, and and uh, you know that's going to be a problem. You, you it's going to be a problem. You should probably do that. Sport sport chat with optimism vaccine. There you go. Also, I just want to say, uh, for some reason, the Bucks, like the present day Bucks, remind me a bit of the Flip Saunders era Detroit Pistons, and that they they somehow have these dominant uh, regular seasons, but cannot get it fucking done in the playoffs. Very sad. All right, sports detour over. And if you haven't turned off the podcast yet, because you're like, I don't fucking care about basketball. First of all, you should care about basketball. You should care deeply about it. It's the it's the sport of kings. Uh, and and I'm putting over I'm putting over Commando. We're we're bookending the podcast, okay? I probably put it over a thousand times before. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's it, maybe it's the best Arnold movie. I think it is the best Arnold movie. Is it the best like '80s macho action movie? Absolutely, absolutely. It is the fucking gold standard. And even though Colonel John Matrix is anti-vaccination, <laughs> you should not be. Go, vaccinate your children. I'm putting over uh, vaccinating your children. Okay, well, you want to you want to spread fucking rubella and measles and whooping cough? You fucking freak! Just because you saw Gwyneth Paltrow and she said, you know, use a Yanni egg. Don't get a don't get a fucking vaccine. No, get vaccinated. All right. Uh, with that, hey, if, if you like the podcast, if you like our thoughts on the NBA or movies or uh, Yanni eggs, um, let us know. Optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Myros is standing by in the inbox. You can he's hitting refresh. He's waiting to hear from you. Uh, you could also tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine. That would be great. Uh, and there's a couple links in this podcast description. One will take you to our iTunes page where you can give us a five star written review, which really helps because uh, I mean, shit, man. It, there's algorithms. We got to compete with algorithms. How are we going to do it? You're you're our only chance. And thank God the, the fans have been strong and we've, we've got quite a few five-star reviews, but my favorite review is from a few years ago. It's a three-star one and it's from like 2015. It just says, pretty good, not great. They'll get there one day. Maybe we're here. Maybe, maybe that's, <laughs> we've reached the destination. In which case, uh, yeah, give us five stars. That'd be great. Um, and then there's also a link to our Patreon where you can give us money and how great would that be because podcasts cost money and if you do i mean you could you could donate a tier that gets you a shout out kind of like you know like ryan or paula or or dustin you could be the next dustin we all want to be dustin don't we think about that and uh you know or you could give us less money give us more money if you if you get into that high tier man you can start dictating content how exciting is that for you probably thrilling so yeah, throw us a couple bucks. It really helps. The shit's expensive. Like hosting costs money. So if you got anything to give, that would be awesome. It gives you access to uh, a bunch of exclusive Optimism Vaccine written and podcast content. And also, until I run out of shit to give away, um, if if you live in the continental United States, preferably, <laughs> I'll uh, I'm gonna mail you a, a a free movie from my collection. Uh, the, the, I already sent out a round of them, and uh, yeah, pe people have received some amazing things someone someone got a, a dvd copy of after hours huh how about that there's a good fucking movie you like up all night movies that's probably the best one so there you go uh give us some money and jake you know what last word's yours r.i.p charles groden 